Okay, it's my pleasure now to, to introduce our next speaker, Dr. Brad Glick. Dr. Glick earned his MPH degree from Emory University School of Public Health in Atlanta, Georgia, and his DO degree from Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He completed an internship in internal medicine at Humana South Broward Hospital in Broward County, Florida, and completed his family medicine and dermatology residency at Wellington Regional Medical Center in Wellington, Florida. And, and at Greater Miami Skin and Laser Center at Mount Sinai Medical Center, respectively. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Glick. I, I have to start by saying, first of all, thank you to the SDPA for having me here and for also for Ortho uh, for putting together this talk. This is a promotional talk, as you well know. Before I begin, I just have to tell you how incredibly impressed I am with the quality of this meeting and uh, the presenters that you have. It's really uh, uh, tremendous um, lineup that you've had, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let me uh, get my advancer here. Okay, so we're, we're going to talk about um, acne today, and um, as I said, this is a promotional talk, and it's sponsored by Ortho, and we'll be talking a little bit about acne and its pathophysiology, and we'll talk a little bit about Retin-A micro and the, the micro pump, and some of the uniqueness of this technology, the new technology, which probably many of you are familiar with, but maybe some not. And so I hope that there'll be some little pearls and pieces of information that you'll appreciate and you can take back to your practices. And we'll talk a little bit about some clinical studies. So we all know very well the pathophysiology of acne vulgaris, and we know that it has a significant impact both not only physically, but also psychologically on our patients. And as you know, that there are four mechanisms by which that acne, blemish forms, inflammation, follicular keratinization, association with propionobacterium acnes, and the obstruction of the follicle. Now, as you can see here in this slide, 85 to 100 percent of, of individuals are affected at some point in their lifetime by acne. And one of the things I like to point out in this particular slide is that as we're evaluating our acne patients, this is really not just a disease of the teenagers, but you know, the adults. And I think all of us will agree that we're seeing more and more patients with uh, acne in, in the adult categories, and especially our adult females. At least I see that in my practice, too. And I think it, it behooves us to really look very carefully at all age ranges and offer our patients certainly not only just retinoid therapies and topical antimicrobial therapies, but to really think out of the box and look at acne as an entire disease state that is hormonally mediated. Of course, we know that it has significant psychological impact and psychosocial issues, as indicated by this Harris Interactive study that was performed looking at physicians and asking them how they felt that their patients felt about acne and what it did to their activities of daily living and what have you. So as you can see here, um, somewhere between 93 and 96 percent of the physicians indicated that self-confidence and social life, activities of daily living in general, mood and emotional issues were affected by acne. Patients themselves as well indicated the uh, similar factors uh, to a smaller extent, uh, but certainly we know that patients with acne have a diminishment in their self-confidence, their mood and their lifestyles are certainly affected overall. Uh, patients and providers certainly agree that this is not just a beauty issue or a cosmetic issue, we know this quite well and even the American Academy of Dermatology supports that in their guidelines of care in evaluating acne for all of us, uh, that this is not so much a significance of appearance, but that there's a significant physical and psychological circumstances that are associated with acne vulgaris, and it's a correctable condition, certainly not curable. 
So let's get into the meat and potatoes of, of acne and just look at the pathogenesis, review a little bit of the science behind this. As you well know, there's a stimulatory effect by androgens uh, leading to activity of sebocytes and keratinocytes, resulting in increased sebum production and follicular desquamation, resulting in follicular hyperkeratinization, and then ultimately colonization by P. acnes, leading to the formation of the microcomedo. We'll look at a, a picture and a graphic in a second, as we see here. So, this is sort of an asymptomatic development of, 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 a, of a blemish, it really before it raises up, before it becomes a papule or a pustule. So we have sebum, sebum accumulation, the follicle enlarges, but we really don't necessarily see this lesion. And there are some antigenic stimulus. We really don't know what it is. Maybe it's too aggressive cleansing by some of our patients or some other external antigenic stimuli that ultimately leads to the formation of the comedo. And we well know that there are inflammatory cytokines and toll-like receptors that are involved in the development of the blemish. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a couple of minutes. So when we look at acne therapies uh, for managing acne, we look at not only the disease state in general, but each particular part of the development of the comedo. So whether it's attacking the keratinocyte or the sebocyte, there are a variety of medications that basically hit that particular aspect of the development of the blemishes along the way. Uh, whether it be inflammation, flicker hyperkeratinization, and the other components of the development of the blemish. In this particular graphic here, we can see that it is the retinoids that really are the most useful in covering these various components of the cascade of the development of acne. So, in terms of looking at treatment options, we'll look at retinoids, retinoids being the cornerstone, I think, in modern-day management of acne. Certainly, benzoyl peroxide as well is the workhorse of dermatology. And one of the things that we'll see in talking about Retin-A micro today, too, that is completely compatible with other agents, uh, both topically and systemically in the management of acne. And of course, we're going to spend time at the end really looking at the Retin-A micro pump. Let me ask a question. Everyone in the room is, is familiar with the Retin-A micro pump, and you use this already and have a great understanding about uh, some of the benefits to having something that's metered and um, is, is, is localized as opposed to tubes. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the new information that we know about the Retin-A micro pump. So when we look at therapy, as you can see here in this uh, slide, when we talk about comedonal acne and mild papule pusture acne and then ultimately papule pusture with a component of uh, severe nodulocystic acne, retinoids play a role really in the direction of the therapy for all three primary types of, of acne. Now this is a very, very busy slide and we have to say happy anniversary to um, Retin-A. Can you get me back up there? <laughs> Got too many things in my hand here. So, it, you know, really happy anniversary to Retin-A. In 1971, we had our first uh, Retin-A derivative, and actually, you can see it's Retin-A liquid. There's a lot of young people here. I'm starting to feel old. Does anyone even really know what Retin-A liquid is? I don't even know that it's available anymore, and if it is, it's very hard to find. And actually, we used it a lot when I started my practice in the late 1990s, actually for truncal acne, because it's quite irritating. And we also used it quite a bit uh, in combination with Rogaine, actually, to increase penetration uh, of uh, minoxidil when treating hair loss. So not uh, really used anymore, but you can see that into the year 2000, right at the end of the 1990s, not put up on this graphic, but you know, we got tazaratine and adapalene gel, and then ultimately we got 0.3% adapalene, 
Some unique products have come along, including Atrolin, Xeon, and Velton, which are essentially the same products, but their vehicles are different. And then our combination product using Adapalene, 0.1%, benzoyl peroxide, 2.5% gel, and then uh, different lotion came out just within this past year. So there's an incredible landscape. We have a, a tremendous amount of retinoids and, and a whole constellation of products in our armamentarium to manage acne, so that's sort of nice. But a part of today's talk is to really get some direction as to some of the unique technologies which may further benefit our patients. So what about tretinoin? Well, tretinoin is really the only naturally occurring retinoid, and it has direct and indirect anti-inflammatory effects. I think probably 20 years ago, we didn't know as much about these anti-inflammatory effects where the actual retinoic acid molecule was concerned. And I think there was a lot of data and a lot of information looking at some of the synthetic medications as being more so-called anti-inflammatory. But we certainly now know that there are definitive anti-inflammatory effects of tretinoin and all of its derivatives. And of course, we know that there's um, an effect on the up and, and down regulation of various cytokines during the course of the development of acneiform lesions. And of course, there are indirect uh, anti-inflammatory effects which really relate more towards the uh, mechanics of acne and the effect on retinoids on follicular obstruction. So these are our Retin-A derivatives. Um, 1971, we mentioned that we had the Retin-A liquid, a potent uh, medication, but has fallen out of favor and really not even available anymore. Retin-A cream, Retin-A point a 0.025% gel, and then ultimately in 1997 was launched uh, the Retin-A microsphere technology, which we'll talk a lot about and talk about some of the new developments and changes related to Retin-A microsphere or microsponge technology and some of the unique properties of that product. And then ultimately in the past four or five years, we received the pump, which is intent was to ensure um, sort of a greater utility of the product from the standpoint primarily of compliance. So a very, very busy slide, but if we could start having individuals raise hands and ask the question, how can we optimize therapy for acne, and if we were going to design a perfect retinoid, how would we design that retinoid? Well, we'd want it to be tolerable, because that's very important for our patients, because if it's not tolerable, patients are not going to use their medication, and, and therefore we're going to lack in success. So this would minimize contact irritancy, and some of the neurosensory symptoms that patients get, like burning and stinging and itching and what have you. So we'd like it to be convenient, and so a la the pump, and we'll talk about that. We'd like it to support compliance, a la the pump. We'd like it to be photostable. You know, I think that in the old days, it seemed like Retin-A or tretinoin as a molecule sort of got a, rap, a bad rap about photostability. And, and it turns out that it's a photo-unstable product, but when you put it in a certain vehicle, like the microsphere or the microsponge technology, there are various characteristics of this particular formulation that will allow it to be a much more photostable product, and you'll see that in a couple of moments. And there needs to be stability in the presence of other products, like benzoyl peroxide. And one of the unique things that you may not have been hearing a lot about, but you hear a lot about today when I finish, uh, and that is the addressing of oil oiliness, or what is called facial shine. I think that's really important. I don't know if there's anyone in the room here that would deny that most of our acne patients, not all of them, and we have a lot of dry acne patients too, but a lot of our patients are very uncomfortable with their oily T-zones. They use blotting papers, they use toners, and all kinds of therapeutic interventions, alcohol, witch hazel, try and make their skin better. And it would indeed be unique if there were something out there that would limit facial shine, and indeed there is. And Retin-A Micro uh, is really the only retinoid that can pr 
purport such a phenomenon. So what about some of the unique benefits of uh, Retin-A microsphere or the microsphere delivery system or the MDS as I'll call it throughout the talk? Uh, this is a delivery system that contains sort of a controlled release of tretinoin. And in a controlled release, as opposed to straight tretinoin, we'll get a nice delivery of product throughout the epithelium and into the follicle as compared to regular retin-A or tretinoin. And of course, there's a photostable component that we'll talk about, the reduction of facial shine that I alluded to. And then there are benefits that are inherent to utilizing a metered dosed product like the Retin-A Micropump in 0.04 and 0.1%. And of course, intuitively, patients uh, will be more compliant with the product. And with smaller amounts of product and limiting the ability of individuals to use way too much product, we will limit things like irritancy and some of the other side effects that we'll talk about in a couple of moments. So what about MDS technology? Well, this is it right here. This is sort of a schematic of it. And you can see the little nano or microparticles. And we'll talk about some of the other characteristics with, in association with the microsphere technology, really create the uniqueness of the Retin-A microsphere or microsponge process that allow it to be a smooth and controlled application of a tretinoin molecule. So this is a very important slide. There are some features of the microsphere or microsponge technology, technology that allow Retin-A micro to be successful in terms of its efficacy, but also limitation of side effects. And of course, when we talk about the pump, the compliance as well, too. So this is a product that cross-links significantly. It's lipophilic. There's a variable pore size, which allows for a couple of different unique properties that we'll talk about in a moment that allow for appropriate penetration of the Retin-A, limiting irritancy, and larger particle sizes um, being a limitation to the original tretinoin molecule are limited. And in the Retin-A micro, we have a much smaller particle size, which will also contribute significantly to limitations of the side effects that we experience when we're using retinoids in general. So much like a ladder or the rungs on a ladder, if you don't have enough rungs on the ladder, you'll have an unstable ladder. If you have many rungs on the ladder, you will have a stable product. And this represents the cross-linking of this polymer formulation of this product. And this is just a schematic of the same, th same thing here. The firmer the particle that, it it, that, it, that exists, so if we have more rungs on the ladder, we have strength of the product. This also limits too much, if you will, penetration and permeability throughout the epidermis. If you think about it, because of the lack of cross-linking of regular Retin-A or the tretinoin molecule without microsphere technology, this is where the irritancy comes from and the so-called retinization with erythema and peeling. So uh, all in all, what happens here is there's a much slower release of the product. So a lipophilic product, like most lipophilic products, also allows for a very nice controlled release of the product throughout the epidermis, limiting irritancy. And this is what I was referring to before. So in the microsponge technology, if you liken this truly to a sponge, how a sponge opens and closes and it has bigger pores, and smaller openings. So larger pore volume will allow for more active ingredient to be entrapped in the microspheres. And again, when it leaks into the epidermis, it will leak in smoothly and more slowly, as opposed to that jolt that we get from tretinoin. So again, this is microsphere technology. 
smaller pore size diameter. Well, that tightness of the pore in the microspun technology blocks the initiation of propionobacterium acnes entering into the follicle and creating one of the four components that ultimately leads to an inflammatory or non-inflammatory skin lesion of acne. And of course, let me, if I back up for a second, there's no need for preservatives because of this tightness of the microsponge. So the particle sizes, or these nanoparticles that the microsphere technology develops from, uh, large size product particles in a product such as this, in a topical agent, and any topical agent, might give a, a sort of a gritty feel or a disruptive feel on the skin. And so the sp sm smaller particle size seems to help with this, and we use here this sort of uh, schematic of a human hair, which is 70 micrometers, and the uh, retin-A microsphere particle is 22 uh, micrometers, and so it's, it's quite small. Now, in terms of uh, photostability, as we can see in this slide, we have a very, very nice study here by Dr. Knightlin and his colleagues, and what they basically looked at here was looking at the photostability of retin-A micro versus tretinoin 0.025% gel, and then also tretinoin 0.025% gel in combination um, uh, with uh, erythromycin benzoyl peroxide, which you'll know as benzamycin. Does anyone still use benzamycin anymore? Not too many. Mostly Benzaclin, Acania, and those other products that are combinations products. But I still use some every once in a while. And you can see after two hours of exposure to UV and six hours of exposure to UV, the retin-A outperforms tretinoin gel 0.025%. As well, when compared into the combination of tretinoin 0.025% gel and erythromycin benzoyl peroxide combination, uh, you can see significant benefits from the retin-A microsphere technology in the form of retin-A micro. What about facial oiliness? Just some general comments about what individuals think about facial oiliness or facial shine. 70% uh, of young acne sufferers seek effective oil control, and we were alluding to this before, trying blotting papers and witch hazel and various alcohol-based products and toners and what have you, and 35% believe that excessive oil is the cause of their acne outbreaks, and they certainly want to control it. And of course, as it says here, 52% seek oil-free or, or, or shine-free or sheen-free skin, and I think that we see this in our patients as well in our practices. So what are our patients saying? Well, you can read the comments here. Out of nowhere, it becomes oily and it's annoying. Under control for a while, but after an hour or two, the shine just comes back. Oil, the oil looks greasy and unhealthy. You wouldn't want to touch it. I think some of our patients sort of kind of say some of these things. The oil is unattractive and it looks unclean. And then finally, feels someone like smeared butter on me. Now that's not one I, I have heard, but no pun intended. So, in terms of the, the microsphere technology, the microsphere delivery system, and in the pump, uh, the MDS absorbs two times its weight, uh, its own weight, and you can see in the microsponge technology here, just the schematic compared to a whole host of other vehicles uh, that may be utilized in a variety of products that are not able to uh, absorb uh, the debris on facial skin and as well the oil that we're referring to. And then Retin-A Micro is the uh, only retinoid with um, such uh, ability to purport this reduction in facial shine, as I've alluded to here. You can see at baseline in this study by Dr. Ninarati and colleagues, 77 and 80% of the uh, patients on Retin-A Micro and 
Retin-A uh, Retin uh, 0.25% cream at baseline. Three hours later, you can see the difference between the Retin-A microgroup uh, versus the uh, tretinoin cream 0.025%. And then again, at the end of six hours, uh, demonstrating improvement of the facial shine. And you'll see a clinical picture right here. And this is at the end of uh, a therapy of this uh, pump study which also evaluated the facial sign. And I think it's pretty impressive. And you can not only see improvement of the facial shine, look at the nose, there's some improvement on the nose, certainly the forehead. And as well, if you're looking at efficacy, you can see the mark reduction in mostly non-inflammatory papules here, these comedones. So do patients benefit from the Retin-A micro pump and the idea of the pump? Well, Dr. Steve Feldman from Wake Forest would probably say that, yes, indeed, the patients do get improvement by utilizing a pump, although if you hear Dr. Feldman, very often he will always doubt compliance if you've been to his talks before. But I think if we're going to use a delivery system, certainly a pump is a very nice way for patients not to overuse a product. Certainly acne is a disease state, is a, is a setting where we don't want patients overutilizing their products in general, and certainly with retinoids, as they may be irritating. So certainly the pump can help to promote uh, overuse of the medication and for appropriate use of medication, and it helps to reduce irritancy potential, as we'll look at uh, when we eva evaluate some studies. There's increased patient satisfaction that we'll also go over. And the 50-gram pump, and if some of you have experienced this already, and I think it really plays out in the clinical setting, one pump will last you easily from four to six months, and certainly in some setting so that someone is not overusing their pump, a couple of pumps should couple, cover a, an entire facial skin, and so this should really last almost as long as six months. And I think there's an economic benefit to that as well, too. So patients prefer the pump over the tube. Um, evaluated patient preference for unlabeled tube versus unlabeled pump. This is the so-called pump study. What did we find from the data from the pump study, we found that patients basically stated that it was less messy, um, they didn't waste as much medication, it was easier to use than the tube, it delivered a consistent amount of the medication as one would expect. And I think it's also a very nice way for physicians to be able to follow their patients and, and make sure that they're not overusing their product too, and, and certainly the, obviously the correct amount of medication. And, Amongst your colleagues, uh, what has been said, ease of compliance with the, the pump, new vehicles and new delivery systems are very important in our management of acne and you know, utilization of various products, uh, such as this particular product. And then finally, the patient satisfaction based on the choice of vehicle is quite important as well. Dermatologists agree with this as well, too. When you're dealing with a meter dose in this particular study, uh, Harris Interactive Survey amongst dermatologists, uh, dermatologists felt that there was less wastage and um, it wasn't as messy, just like our patients were indicating, and there was simplicity to product. And, and moreover, I think compliance is significant in our patients, especially our teenage patients with acne. And having a, a, a product and a vehicle out there that will ensure compliance, I think, is, is really beneficial for us. Pump controlled dosing and microsphere technology. You didn't realize I was going to put on a little bit of a show. This is just a little video sort of going over some of the uh, microsphere and microsphere technology. Last about a minute, and then we'll get back to the floor. It's actually pretty cool.
so you're seeing how those microsphere particles slip out into the skin. Microspheres harness the power of tretinoin to control exposure and advance tolerability. All right. Pretty nice. Uh, so Retin-A micro, let's look at some of some, uh, the pump studies. These are some of the newer studies. Some of you may have seen these previously, but, but perhaps not. So uh, what is the pump study? Very unique that they put this together. Patients using Retin-A micro properly. Pump study. Makes you get pumped up about using the product. That's about as funny as I get, by the way. So um, comparable tolerability, we want to look at this product versus Retin-A 0.025% cream. Also, we'll look at uh, the irritancy factors compared to adapalene 0.3% gel, and as well to adapalene benzoyl peroxide. And as far as the uh, tolerability or skin irritation goes. So the PUMP study is a real-world assessment. This uh, clinical trial was performed uh, throughout the United States in a real-world setting in physicians' offices. There were 544 participants with mild to moderate acne vulgaris, and the primary endpoint was that of improvement of facial acne um, and various grades utilizing the modified GAG score, which we'll look at in a minute. And they also looked at many other factors too, such as side effect profiles, and, and we'll spend a couple of minutes on those as well. So the typical of a, an acne study, the clean inclusion criteria were that of mild to moderate acne, and according to the MGAGS score, you had to have between 4 and 22 uh, lesions, and patients actually needed to be dissatisfied with their treatment to, to enter. So they were on some other regimen and willing to go ahead and proceed with this particular regimen. Their treatment was that of either Retin-A micro 0.04% or 0.1% based on the physician's judgment. Likely this was uh, based on the lesion counts and of course was indeed based on some lesion counts based on the patient's initial presentation. And that the data that we present today um, is that that actually resides in the peer-reviewed literature, but we're not making any inferences, if you will, as to the associated efficacy with particular other products, mainly focusing on the efficacy and safety and potential side effect profile of this particular product in comparison to tretinoin. So this is the calculation of the modified GAG score, as you can see here. So we incorporate the forehead and the right and left cheek, the nose and the chin, and they're graded with various factors. And whether there are no lesions, zero, one or more comedones, one, one or more papules, two, one or more pustules, three, and one or more nodules, four. And so in the clinical trials, in this particular pump study, in evaluating efficacy, we can see that there were significant changes in the GAG score from baseline to the end of the study at 12 weeks, 13.3 versus 9 in terms of the modified GAG score, and then um, 15 to 10.3 for the 0.1 pump. These are statistically significant uh, data uh, information. The majority of the patients have mild or, or no acne by the end of 12 weeks, as you can see here. Here's their baseline and some patients having no acne, but the majority of patients going from having moderate to severe acne to mild or no acne at all. So what about what the patients felt? Were they satisfied? Uh, did they feel like they responded well to their medicament? And those in the Retin-A micro group, 86% were quite satisfied 
uh, with their response to therapy at the end of 12 weeks. 95% of the patients reported that they were highly compliant with their uh, product. Sometimes some will question that. You know, when they know they're in a clinical trial and they've skipped a dose, maybe they're pressing on the particular meter, but if you look at some of the stats that we see in a couple of minutes, uh, it's pretty clear that there was consistency across the board in the utilization of the pump. And significant improvement in VAS scores or psycho, psychosocial type scores uh, were also noted uh, compared to the uh, tretinoin 0.05% cream in the pump study. Patients, uh, as I alluded to before, were uh, satisfied, and they were three times more uh, likely to be satisfied uh, with their utilization of the pump compared to their prior regimens, and the same three times uh, more likely to be satisfied compared to the prior use of adapalene. And this is a very nice picture, uh, just demonstrating efficacy before and after the 12-week study. And you see there's a reduction of papules, some inflammatory and some of the non-inflammatory papules. And I think that there's even a little bit of a hint, although not impressive here, of the reduction in the facial shine. And I think that we know that in utilizing these products, this is gonna vary from patient to patient. And this is just a blue fluorescent light that was utilized to further demonstrate the reduction in acneiform lesions. So overall, in review of this particular 544 patient study, 20.6% of all patients reported some form of an adverse reaction. About 6% of the patients reported an adverse reaction that was related to the medication. And these were the typical ones, irritancy, dryness, and some burning. One patient did develop a serious adverse reaction, but was found not to be related to the utilization of this topical therapy. And that would be extremely uncommon in this type of uh, particular study. And one patient discontinued treatment simply because of the face uh, peeling. And I think we all can relate to the fact that retinoids in general as a group uh, may certainly provide a degree of, of irritancy, disruption of the skin barrier, uh, leading to discontinuation. And I think as a pit stop, it's very important for us to utilize a proper preparation of the skin before utilizing Retin-A products. Uh, Retin-A micro being no exception. Many of you may like to use moisturizers at bedtime associated with the utilization of retinoids. I like to prep the skin that way as well, and I also like them to use a soap-free cleanser uh, at least twice a day as part of their prep as well. And this is just some data demonstrating really the small amounts of patients experiencing erythema and dry skin, with none, surprisingly so, uh, experiencing burning and stinging. And then this just gets back to what I alluded to before. This is in terms of the quality and the compliance associated with the utilization of the pump. 90 plus percent across the board remain compliant throughout the entire study. So in summary, there are significant improvements in lesions counts in the, in the Retin-A Micro 0.04 and 0.1 study. Significant improvement in both the patient and investigator perceptions of reported outcomes in both strengths. Significant improvement in psychosocial circumstances with improvement are what are called VAS or VAS scores accordingly at the end of 12 weeks. And the Retin-A micro both in the 0.04% and 0.1 uh, pump were well tolerated. And even in patients with mild acne and also prior adapalene users. And there was a high compliance as we alluded to. Let's look at a few more studies, um, just so it's some uh, basic information as it relates to other factors, uh, comparing Retin-A micro, 
to 0.025% cream. And as you can see here, the drug is quite well tolerated in comparison to tretinoin or retin-A 0.025% cream. And the reason for this diagram here on this graph is simply that the active ingredient in retin-A micro is virtually double that of standard tretinoin, yet it's still very, very well tolerated in comparison to retin-A 0.025%, as you can see here. Same goes for erythema and dryness, retin-A micro. And this is um, in comparison to 0.3% adapalene gel. And you can see the difference in irritancy between both products. And there's a su substantially statistically significant difference here, retin-A micro 0.04% compared to adapalene. 0.3%. Uh, I'd also like to see the uh, graph for a 0.1 retin-A micro placed here too, and it runs somewhere here. As well, reduced irritancy when looking at retin-A micro 0.04% compared to epiduo or adapalene benzoyl peroxide combination. Statistically significant differences in overall reduced irritancy retin-A micro compared to um, adapalene benzoyl peroxide combination with the retin-A micro pump associated with significantly less irritancy factor. Also comments on erythema and dryness overall were less so with retin-A micro compared to adapalene benzoyl peroxide, as you can see here. And again, as relates to burning, stinging, and itching. Very similar data. So overall, if we're optimizing the utilization of retinoids in general as part of our armamentarium for managing acne vulgaris, we'd like to see that a medication is efficacious and highly tolerable and convenient and supports patient compliance, as we do see with the pump, and we do see this in the clinical studies, and I think it plays out in the clinical setting as well, and, and that it's a more photostable product and that it can be used with other products like benzoyl peroxide or benzoyl peroxide clindamycin combinations and erythromycin combinations, as we alluded to. And I think that plays out in our clinical settings as well. And I think one of the unique things as well is we can start looking at our patients that we place on this particular product as to whether they have a significant reduction in our clinical settings of facial shine or facial oiliness. So in summary, we know that acne causes significant physical disruption to the skin and um, has a significant impairment in as far as psychosocial issues and activities of daily living. And really, I would state, again, for all ages, not just our adolescents, the typical acne patients. Retin-A micro is associated with improvement of these psychological and psychosocial issues, as we've seen in the clinical studies. It improves uh, overall patient satisfaction in terms of their response to their acne therapies. The patients have a higher sense of compliance. There's a significant improvement in efficacy overall, and the tolerability factor with the microsphere technology is proven, as we've seen in the clinical studies. As well, uh, we see that the controlled release of this particular product, as we saw in our video, and as well as I explained earlier, the microspheres slowly release tretinoin, helping to minimize the irritancy factor. They also contribute significantly to the photostability of the product, and therefore limit its photodegradation compared to tretinoin as a molecule in general, and there's controlled dosing that we have now utilizing the pump. 
And finally, of course, the proverbial uh, safety information from the package insert. There, just as a summary here, there are two strengths. Uh, the medicine should be avoided in anyone known to be sensitive to tretinoin or its derivatives. Patients can get irritancy, redness, and blistering. And certainly we want to recommend that these patients use a minimum SPF, uh, I like to say 30, but an SPF 15, as it says here, or, or greater in some protective clothing. Accordingly, we've discussed the potential consequences of being on retinoid therapy in general, uh, but certainly as well retin-A micro-like uh, irritancy. And just some final comments that you can see improvement with retin-A micro 0.04 and 0.1 strengths uh, in the pump delivery system as early as two weeks. And these benefits carry out well beyond seven weeks. With that, I'll stop uh, with my presentation and, and I'll field any questions that you may have. Hopefully we did pretty well on time. I think we did. Thank you very much. Any questions? Everyone knows a lot about Retin-A Micro on the pump. Facial shine, be on the lookout for it. When you track your patients, certainly track that. That's what I'm doing right now as well. And I like to see if it carries out quite well in my setting. Thank you very much again.